Hey, welcome to Your Two Cents, the podcast, produced by Canadian Content Studios in partnership with credit unions. I'm Jonathan Torrance. What's funny about money? Well, for a lot of people, not much. For comedian Nathan McIntosh, everything. From growing up pretty close to the bone in New Brunswick to living in New York City, one of the most expensive places in the world, Nathan's relationship with money has provided him with so much fodder, in fact, that he made an entire comedy special about it called Money Never Wakes. Here's Alicia and Sylvia's conversation with comedian Nathan McIntosh. Okay, I'm so excited for today's episode. Nathan feels very much like one of us, Alicia. He grew up not talking about money. He knew nothing about money and decided it was time for him to start talking about money. He slayed on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon with material from his comedy album, Money Never Wakes. And now he's here talking to us. So hi, Yay. Nathan. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Uh, excited to have you. The concept of this comedy special is brilliant obviously like we love talking about money and it took us a while to get there but we know not everybody does obviously so why did you even want to write about this like what sparked this conversation for you um well I guess like what Sylvia was saying I, I did grow up without money we don't learn about it in school I got kicked out of math class once for asking the teacher was like we're gonna learn about quadratic functions and I, I used to beak a lot. I mean, I guess I still do. I go, why? What is this? <laughs> and she's like, let's do it. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But like, shouldn't we be learning about budgeting grocery bills or things like that? And um, I got sent to the office for that. And um, so it's always, it's always been a, a thing. It's always been a, 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 a thought of like, there's people out there that don't make a ton of money, but they have money because they figured out a way to either hang on to it or do certain things with it. And um, I don't know. I've just always been interested in it, I guess, not growing up with any of it. It's really refreshing because being honest when you don't have a lot of it, I feel like we hear a lot from people who have a lot of money and they therefore they want to impart their wisdom on the rest of us lowly people just trying to figure it out. But you're so honest about it. But when you take it all the way back to your childhood, when you didn't have a lot of money, how did that shape your relationship with money as you kind of earned success and started to make your own money throughout your life? Well, growing up without money is, um, in a lot of ways, I mean, there's good parts of it, but it's also like pretty embarrassing sometimes. Like this is how, this is how little money there was at one point. My mom would find change in the house and roll it in, did you have to change rollers? Like like loose leaf and then write 50 cents on it or whatever. And I would take these little things to the store and buy cornflakes. And sometimes the lady who ran the store, uh, she would make me open the change and count it in front of adults. So, um, what I, did I, okay. What was your question again? I had, a, I was getting there. No, you were getting there. So did that impact you later on in your life? Like you yes. had to take rolled change and get field embarrassed in front of adults. Yeah. But now what? Oh, well, now I'm a very rich man. So there's no, uh, there's no more rolling change. I, I have, uh, I have two Ferraris. Um, Perfect. So you don't care. Yeah, I don't care at all. No, um, 
I guess, uh, I guess um, it still, it still does. Uh, like remembering that, I still have a pretty like, I don't want to say scared attitude with money, but I do. I, 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 uh, I hang on to a lot of money. I don't spend a ton of money. Um, so I am kind of scared of like one day going back to counting change like that that never left i guess even though i'm i'm i have change but i'm far from like rolling it to go get uh cornflakes okay so i know my own experience with this like i didn't roll the change and take it to the store essentially but we didn't talk about money we didn't know where it came from we didn't know where it went we didn't really we just knew we didn't have a lot of it um so now that you started to make your own money and you've seen success how does that make you feel like coming from that to to now um i guess sometimes i feel and i i don't have a, a ton of money i get two boxes of cornflakes today if i would like um no i have more but i guess i also kind of go there's one part of me that goes oh man great i can buy the things that i need there's another part of me i'm horrified because i go i don't deserve anything I, I should be living under a bridge. So if somebody even hands me money for a thing, I'm like, why? This is ridiculous. Why would this be a thing? Um, so, yeah. I hope I'm answering these questions. I really go on tangents. I apologize. No, I like I... I completely, completely feel that too. Like, I think what you're saying is imposter syndrome. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how familiar you are with that, but you deserve to be paid for making people laugh and, and having this conversation because I think it goes deeper than that. And I think we're going to get that to that later. I incorporate comedy in the conversations that I have because it makes talking about tough things a little bit easier, but it still opens the door to have those conversations. Um, but yeah, I completely understand. It's like a weird, it's a weird place to, leave, to live. It almost, there's like a little bit of like guilt. We just had a conversation with somebody who talked about like the guilt of having money and not having money in the past. And, but I think for me specifically, not having it in the past is what has allowed me to be a little bit more frugal now, a little bit more giving now, a little bit more understanding and empathetic now um, with the money that I do have. So I, yeah, I completely resonate with that. Like, why are you giving me this? And, and it's just like a heart, like it's a weird, like it's a transaction, but it's a different mm -hmm. transaction when you're not providing a typical service too, which I think is a very different type of experience. I'm, I'm not working a nine to five. I'm not doing... I'm coming out and entertaining. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes we undervalue how powerful entertainment truly is. But when my platform blew up, I had somebody stop me and be like, I'm a nurse. I worked through the whole entire pandemic. And she was like me and my doctor used to talk about your videos at the end of our day. She was like, we would work 12 hour shifts. And then the things that would make us feel good at the end of the day was coming home and watching our videos. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm no doctor, but at the end of the day, I'm entertaining entertaining people who had a tough day saving lives and doing things and like mm -hmm. how do you classify what value that holds when you know so i yeah i completely resonate with that but uh yeah, what you do is important for a lot of people i completely agree and i think that idea of the guilt and the shame regardless of sort of where you're at is so real like just the other day i 
placed an order for some clothes online that had been sitting in my cart for probably a week. The total order was under a hundred (laughs) dollars and I could afford that. And it finally, I was like, and I'm like, Oh, I I really wish I had something to wear to that thing. I'm like, I do. It's in my cart. It's on sale. It's there's several items in this cart that are on a great sale. And if I don't buy this now, then they're not going to be on sale anymore. And I'm going to have to pay more for those things. And I bought it and I was like, do I deserve that order of clothes? I can afford it. Yes, I can. But it's really hard when you are used to being scrappy to give that part of you up. And I actually think there's a big part of me that is glad that I don't. I don't just aimlessly spend money on just anything. But sometimes, like the person we were talking to before said, sometimes you stop spending when you don't think you deserve that. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of finding that happy medium of like, go buy the cornflakes and be really glad that you can. (laughs) You're allowed to have two boxes of cornflakes. I'm glad you're still (laughs) buying cornflakes. I'm glad that that didn't traumatize you into not eating them anymore. That would have been fairly terrible. (laughs) No, I mean, when I think about those uh, going to the store now, uh, it's funny. And it's just an interesting part of my life. I don't look back on it as like, uh, oh, I wish that didn't happen. It happened and I'm where I am now and it is what it is. But I'm in the same boat. Sylvia, remember standing in a superstore in Truro and I went back and forth for 20 minutes about buying your coat, which was $70 (laughs) and it's the best. I've been complimented on it so many times in New York. My girlfriend wears it sometimes and she was like, some guy just stopped me in the street and was like, this coat. Dude, Sylvia, New York loves this coat. <laughs> it's the Jillian Harris shacket. So shout out to Jillian Harris for her pink shacket that Nathan and I both own and wear proudly. But I agree, like, that was a great price for a jacket. Yeah. You hummed and hawed to the point that we created quite a scene in Truro buying this piece of clothing <laughs> for you. And But you wear it all the time. You actually wore it. And I DM'd you one day to say, Are, you can be wearing this in New York right now because it's actually so warm that you were wearing it in through the winter. This is an investment piece. I'm, I'm proud of you. But I feel the same way. Like I bought that jacket full price too because I fell in love with it. And I was mm-hmm. like, can I do that? And so sometimes can and that irrational fear creeps in. And to Leisha's point, that imposter syndrome can be so real. And we just have to, you know, we all work kind of these unconventional jobs that sometimes get really confusing when you seem to have money as a result of doing the thing that doesn't quite make sense to the rest of the rest of the world. This, you kind of answered this already, but I'm curious to know if you do have an embarrassing moment with money. I think obviously adults have treated you unfairly in convenience stores before, but is there anything else that comes to mind? <laughs> You know, it's funny. I don't know if she treated me unfairly. Uh, That whole neighborhood that had a lot of people that didn't have money, right? And um, so she would make me count the change. And I'll tell you, sometimes there'd be 48 cents instead of 50. And I'd be like, is my mom screwing me over here? Or did she just count wrong? You know what I mean? (laughs) Anyways, and then sometimes the lady would be like, whatever, just take the stupid cornflakes. But um, that's one for sure. They're embarrassing things about money. I mean, I guess when I first got to Toronto from Halifax, it seemed everybody, I grew up mostly with people that did not have money. Most people I grew up with didn't have debts, let alone money. And Toronto, I remember people talking about their their summer cottages and they got boats and they're going to these places. And I did feel kind of weird uh, there. I guess I, I guess you could say I kind of felt embarrassed. I was just like, oh, really? Everybody has, uh, like, everybody has this stuff? Well, it's funny you say that because I think coming from Nova Scotia, which is where I spent my formative years, and then moving to Toronto, 
I catch myself often rolling in circles where you feel less than, and it's purely because of that. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. go to private school. I didn't grow up with a cottage with boats and things and all these things. Like I felt pretty normal in my life, but I also didn't have all of that extra. And my parents got divorced when I was in high school. So that changed things financially in our family. So I hear you when you come to a city like this, I mean, it's the biggest city in Canada. There's obviously a financial backing to what that looks like, but in a city like this, there is a lot more private school kids and and they're just, they're everywhere. Like, I don't know where Mm -hmm. they come from. I feel like I never knew anybody like that in my whole entire life. And then they moved here. And so kind of figuring out who your people are and the people who care about you and the things that you have versus what you have, the things that you have um, is a really important thing. Sylvia, real quick, coming from Fairview, we looked at people from Bedford. Bedford was like Beverly Hills, dude. Bedford was like, how do you even get to Bedford? Look at it. It had hills. It has hills. <laughs> it's true. But that's also part of my weird story, right? Like we came from BC. Mm-hmm. Buying a house in Bedford was significantly cheaper than buying a house in Vancouver. So nope. you get there and it is like Beverly Hills. And I lived there, but I also lived in a house where no one talked about money. So I did not genuinely know mm-hmm. what we had. And I know that there were times where there was tough conversations about money. My dad owned his own business. There was peaks and valleys with that. So I've talked about that openly before that I lived there. I lived next door to some people who are giving out full-size chocolate bars for Halloween. And I was like, who are you? And we weren't giving out full-size chocolate bars for Halloween. So it's we were we were living in the hills of Bedford, but it didn't, didn't mean that it wasn't confusing financially or that we were necessarily rolling with the people who were mm-hmm. giving out the chalk bars. Well, I think too, when we talk about like embarrassing moments with money, like I also, like I knew that I didn't have the same things that other kids had. I knew that I didn't have the name brand. When I saved money, I saved money to go to a Frenchie's to buy myself a pair of gap jeans for the very first time that still had a tag on them. And like, that was my, and those were like two years out of season. And like, in my brain, it's just, there's a lot of the littlest things feel embarrassing when we were, we're here in LA, we went to a restaurant and Scott used his credit card to pay. And the guy comes back and he's like, uh, do you have another card? And like immediately I'm like, I know how much money we have. I know we have money to pay for this dinner. It's not like we're in a space, but immediately I'm like mortified that this Mm -hmm. man now thinks that we don't have money. And then I'm like, what did the card say? I'm like, I'm not fighting. I just want to know what he's like. Oh, it just doesn't tell us. And I was like, I don't care. Like I have money to pay for this. I just need to know why the card doesn't work because we're two days into our trip here and we need to be able to use this card while we're here. And he was like, oh, um, and I, like, I think like just having that conversation, like made him feel less awkward about it. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I can, so just like that initial feeling, regardless of what you have, like the thought of somebody thinking you don't have it just mm-hmm. immediately makes you feel like this uncomfort in like situations where you, you shouldn't feel uncomfortable. So I, yeah, I can completely get that. Um, Nathan, I guess like looking back at like, what you didn't know about money then to what you don't know about money now what do you wish you knew more about doesn't have to be like what you wish you would have known more when you were a kid but like right now what do you wish you knew more about I guess I wish I knew more about investing I wish I knew more what to do with money 
You know what I mean? Because even if you get money or whatever and you hang on to it, what do you do with it? Because I mean, you you listen to some things and you research stuff and people are like, you got to buy property. And I go, yeah, that'd be great, but I don't want to manage. First of all, I would get property in Nova Scotia. Currently, I'm not going to live in Nova Scotia. So who's going to live there? I have to that, find somebody to live there, maybe go there every once in a while to fix something in this house uh, for whoever's living there. Um, I get Yes, I would like to know more about what to do with money. My grandma sends me articles about Bitcoin. And I'm like, you're it, 89. Today, I don't know. She Off missed the, the boat. Time. Well, sorry. <laughs> She's been talking to me about Bitcoin since I moved to Toronto. And gotcha. I have never been able to have an intelligent conversation about it. And it's not like that's the area that I wish I knew more about. It's just that it exists. And I literally have no idea. It feels like the cloud, which I also don't know enough about. Um, I bought Bitcoin. I bought Ethereum. Things Ethereum? I never ever... Yeah, it's another one of the coins that was like, it's, so I guess, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and there's another one that are like the main coins. They'd be like the US dollar, the pound, that type of deal. Um, and they both just full on tank, gone, boom. Um, and I bought them at the time because we're in the pandemic, they're going up. What do you do? I don't know. Real money's go going away. So, but then I took a bath, full bath. But okay, so I'm so interested in that because how did you even get to the point where you were like, I'm going to buy Bitcoin? Like, did you know what you were doing? And if you didn't, like, I would have no idea either. I, I still feel that way, even just with traditional investing, it's like, I guess you're in a thing now. Like, it still is not quite clear. So the fact that you even got there, what was your decision-making process like? Or were you truly just bandwagon jumper? Band Bandwagon. I, I did the exact thing that you should not do. If everyone is talking about a thing, don't buy that thing. But I'm sitting here mentally breaking down and I go, yeah, no, that, that seems to make some sort of sense. And then I get, I swear the minute I bought, so Ethereum at the time, each coin was worth $5,000. Okay. You don't have to buy a full coin, but whatever. They, the, the projections were, oh, Oh, it's going all the way to 15,000. It's going all, I bought Ethereum and like a week later, it's gone. A week. Oh, the whole thing. It's, no, it's go, pretty much. I mean, yes. The, the, what I have left is probably enough for a box of cornflakes. It is no longer there. <laughs> and the craziest part is buying uh, crypto, is not. E it's not easy. I had to go to these, Weird websites. I had to send my passport to, I don't even, I don't even know who. I don't know where it went to, to get these things, to have these weird passwords, passwords that are like uh, as long as this page. Two, eight, four, five. And if you lose this password, you're screwed for life. Nobody can help you. There's no customer service. There's nothing. I fought through all of that to basically, I basically went to a, what you call that? Like an obstacle course. And I fought all the way. And then I got to the end of the obstacle course and I took thousands of dollars and I just whipped it into a lake. I fought to do it. Just stupid idiots. It feels, it feels so much like a really sketchy adult, like gambling. Like it definitely, like it, you, I mean, that's the thing about investing to me. I know there's safer ways to do it. I, I don't know them. I haven't actually sat down to talk to anybody, but, but it feels terrifying. Like it feels like yeah. 
you're, it feels like gambling. Like, I mean, I love sitting down at a slot machine and I can lose like a couple hundred bucks there and that doesn't even faze me. But the thought of giving big amounts of money that just, I don't know how, like at least at the, at least at the machine, I know I'm the one losing it. Like I'm the idiot that's putting it in there. Like I feel like getting to that point of investing just seems so terrifying, but yeah, it does. It feels an awful lot like responsible gambling. In a yeah. sense. Like, I think that's what they would say too. Um, like people that invest constantly and I have some investments. Like I put, I put money in stock market and all that kind of thing. Um, I actually, during the, the, the pandemic, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I read a book about the great depression. Cause I was like, where could we go? Did you know that credit unions got their start giving loans to small businesses that weren't seen as viable by others? They were also the first place to lend money to women on their own, and credit unions brought the first ATMs to Canada. So aside from being trailblazers, their people and community-first attitude makes them the perfect place for all your money matters. Whether you're opening your first account, looking for a mortgage, or just seeking some simple advice for saving, they'll take care of you. Credit unions are proud to sponsor Your Two Cents, the podcast, because they know the more we talk about money, the less scary it'll be. Oh man, the, the, <laughs> the Great Depression is, I mean, we've seen movies and it's like a guy eating beans out of a boot, but when you read about what it was, <laughs> the fact that any of us are here currently is pretty wild. Um, they talked about how banks just straight up closed. You couldn't get your money out at all. So because of that, I went and got like, a couple thousand dollars and put it in my fridge. Cause I was like, if the banks close, at least I'll have some money. But then I thought, well, if the banks close, money will be worthless. So I'm just gonna have to learn to fight for bread. <laughs> I mean, like I, I really got into this whole thing, but that also kind of made me start investing as well because uh, everything crashed, yes. But then after that, uh, it goes back up like that. That part does seem to be there will be giant downs and big ups, but it does kind of like it almost has to go back up at some point in time or this whole thing falls apart. There's no right. this is, I, I apologize to throw this in here. This is one of the things, too, you learn as you grow up. Nobody, no, nobody really knows the thing. <laughs> no, we've gone full existential, but you're right. Like, even Warren Buffett, he'll kind of tell you, he's like, I don't know, I read the things, I go, this will probably be a thing, and then that's it. You go, that's it, that's the best, that's the best we can do. A guy who's studied it for 90 years is like, I don't know. A lot of people like genuinely have made, like have made a lot of money that way. Like putting, I just was following her creator the other day that talked about how her and her high school boyfriend put money into Tesla when it like became, and then now they've now they're millionaires. And it's just like, wow. who, who do I need to talk to? <laughs> like who needs to give me, but like, again, it seems like such a, uh, like a risk. So like, we don't learn, we definitely don't learn about that stuff in school. I don't even, like you just said, I don't even know if the people who are doing it even know enough. Like, how did you learn to manage your money, Nathan? Like, or do you know how to, cause I can be quite honest. I don't, I, my husband manages. It, and he's like the little elf on my shoulder that Funny. tells me, yeah, maybe not. So like, how did you learn to manage it for yourself? Um, 
this is a weird story, but years in your skill. I met a comedian who people, his, his, his name was Crazy Bob. This is how people describe this man. Crazy. So I told people, I was like, I'm working with Crazy Bob. They're like, you're working with Crazy Bob? They go, he's, he's nuts. He's, he's a completely insane person. I go, okay. I met him. He goes, how old are you? And at the time, I go, I'm 24. He goes, all right, let me tell you something. And in my head, I go, here we go. This guy's going to tell me to always wear a tie or don't swear or the random things that people tell you about comedy. And he goes, save 10% of everything you make. I went, what? <laughs> he goes, save 10% of everything you make. He goes, this business is garbage. You could break your leg and you do not work. He goes, nobody cares. You have to have some money set aside in case things happen. And I just went, whoa. And from that time on, I've saved at least 10% um, since then. And I just, I just kind of, I'm like, I mean, it's a cliche thing, whatever, but I don't buy anything unless I can get five of it. I just don't really like, um, I don't know. I'd rather have a little bit of the security than the random stuff that I would like to have. You know what I mean? That's so smart. Crazy Bob is not uh, wrong on this, I don't think. Do you know why I think they called him crazy? Because of that. Most comedians are nuts. Most comedians are like, I made a hundred bucks. I'm going to spend 200. So a guy that's like, hey, save 10 bucks. They're like, oh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> he also kicked, I was eating chips and he kicked them out of my hand. He goes, don't eat that. And he gave me like a trail mix. I go, this guy's like the least crazy person I've ever met. <laughs> So in summation, you owe him everything you have today. Yes. Yes. Crazy Bob, who's no longer with us. But I mean, crazy. Uh, I, I, yeah. Crazy Bob. Uh, that's really cool. I don't think I've learned how to manage my money. I think I was smart enough that when I got it, I got rid of my debt. Like I knew enough then to know like, okay, like let's wipe our slate clean because everybody, like most people typically have that debt or have debt of some sort for the rest of their lives. So I think I was smart enough to do that. And I've heard that saying, if you can't buy five of it, I think I'm more of a, if you can't buy three of it type of person. So I think, <laughs> I think I'm taking my own influx on that right now, but I am getting to a point where I do realize that what I do is not guaranteed and it's not. And so I do have to start investing. I do have to start thinking about what that kind of, that future kind of looks like for me. And it's a little bit terrifying because one, I'm having a good time right now. So it's like the thought of like going back to not having as much of a good time as I'm having now, but like realizing that I have to like live out the rest of my life and figure out how that works. So yeah, like I don't, and where do you go to like realistically learn how to manage your money <clears throat> in a sense that doesn't seem so t like terrifying to like walk in and be like, yeah. you're an expert. Tell me what I need to do. Yeah. Cause you're, you're trusting a whole other human being with something that you've worked really hard for and something that you didn't have a lot of for a very long time. And that thought process of like letting a stranger in to be the person to tell you how to manage it seems kind of terrifying and like a little bit invasive. Yeah, totally. My thing was that I fell in love with spreadsheets because I'm a nerd, but I, I joke that if I ever get a tattoo, it'll be .xls, which just goes to speak about my, my <laughs> levels of sheer nerdiness. But I fell in love with spreadsheets when we got married because I, I've told this story on the podcast before because I wanted to be debt-free when we got married. So we, we tracked all of our money and that carried into the rest of my 
adult life and I've been better and worse at times for budgeting, specifically things like vacations. Like typically we'll be like, okay, we're going to go on vacation. We feel comfortable enough that we have the money to go on a vacation, but haven't like built a proper budget to say like, how much are we going to spend on hotels? How much are we going to, whatever. We typically just deal with it after the fact, um, knowing that we have a general amount, but we're going on a big trip in the summer. And so we actually sat down and built out a spreadsheet to say, this is what we want to do. Can we actually afford it? And allocated dollar amounts and items on our spreadsheet. And when we felt like we got to a place where we were comfortable, we did research on the hotels, we did research on restaurants. Like, is this actually a feasible amount of money to spend on this vacation? And it was. And so we booked our tickets and it was really exciting, but it felt like it came, it actually made me more excited because I felt like I could afford what I wanted to do versus couldn't. So having those line items was like actually really freeing, not constricting. Yeah, no, you need to, we, we do need to, yeah, factor in where our money's coming from, where we're putting it, all that stuff helps. I don't, I don't do spreadsheets and I wish I did. I wish I was better at that type of thing, but I guess I also just kind of go, I don't really buy, I got over the whole, like, um, I used to buy shoes all the time. Like I had like tons of pairs of sneakers. And then one day you go, Hey, Nathan, here's something. They don't make you feel any better for more than 26 minutes. So what are we doing here, pal? You're going to spend another 200 bucks to be like, oh, cool. And then just go right back to like, all right. You know? Same Nathan. Same Nathan. Same idiot. <laughs> I'm not a things person either. I'm an, like, I'm an experienced person. Like, I don't, it's, I mean, mind you, I'd like bought my first luxury purse because that was just something I never thought I would have. And that made me feel that makes me feel good longer than 26 minutes every time I wear. So like we're, we're at, we're at that point with that, but I'm, I'm definitely more of an experienced person than I am a thing person, which I think has done me well when it comes to like money, because I, I don't have a lot of things, but I have a lot of really incredible memories. So if it does plummet drastically, I've spent a lot of cool you know, trips and doing really cool things. I feel like we have something similar, Nathan, obviously like growing up and not having money. What is something that you took from growing out without a lot of money that you can appreciate now? Like for me, we had this conversation and I joked about like my favorite meal that my parents would make us when we were kids was pasta, butter, and tomato. And like now I love that. Like we, mm-hmm. we, me and my sister cooked it one day and my mom was like, what are you eating? And we're like, pasta and tomato. And mom's like, it's weird for me to be a part of this because when, when we were having that, when you were kids, we were having it because we had nothing else. Like we didn't, you know, but we didn't know that. Like we had no, we had no idea that that's why we were having it. So now we just have this like sheer nostalgic, like attachment to like things like that, that, were because we didn't have a lot of money, but now we just have this like sheer appreciation for them as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything, I mean, cornflakes? Is that something that-, <laughs> that- <laughs> I haven't had cornflakes in so long. But you know, it's funny when you mentioned, uh, when you mentioned that I remembered fried bologna and I really want some now. It's the best. And it's not, it's not, but it is. I mean, I don't know why frying bologna makes it like so much better than that weird, just wet, gross, right out of the package trash. Um, but um, it really does. It changes the whole deal. Um, I guess um, certain things like, um, yeah, I don't know. You try to realize that like you don't really need too, too much. 
and looking at what other people have just kind of ruins your own life, you know, in terms of like, oh, this person has this much money or this person has this. You also kind of realize too, the older you get, that a lot of people who seem like they have money don't have money. They might have a nice car and a nice house, but that's where all the money is. And now they're in their house, freaking out, panicking, be like, how am I going to keep this up? But I'm a guy over here who's like, I can keep this up for right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I can keep, I, I can keep this it. going. <laughs> I also kind of learned like, uh, watch, watching my mom when I was a kid, I took the whole, she was always kind of complaining about money. There's always complaining about credit cards and stuff. So I took it to go like, okay, well, I can't do this. Like, this is not the way that I'd like to do things. Like, personally, I'm horrified of credit cards. I use them, but I don't have any debt on them. Um, and I never have. I also, I don't have an education. So I, I don't have like, a, I don't have student loan debt somewhere, you know? And part of that is because of that as well. I, I, I didn't want to have a whole bunch of money somewhere that I'm constantly, uh, paying into. I've just always been horrified of it watching my mom deal with it when I was a kid. So Nathan, you walked really beautifully into my question. You work with some of the top performing celebrity comics in the world. You work up against newcomers who've never set stage on a, on, set foot on a stage before. Do you ever feel like you're in this weird position where you're sort of witnessing all ends of the financial spectrum? And do you ever end up in situations where you're like, I can't afford to do this, or I'm such an imposter being at this thing that's so beyond my means? The imposter thing is there 100%. If I, if I go to a nice place or I'm invited to a nice dinner or anything, I feel like a hobo that somebody um, is being polite to. Legitimately. I'm like, I, I said this the other night on stage when somebody, somebody the, the host was like, he's been on this. I go, yeah, I don't feel that way. Like, I hope everybody knows this. Even if I go out there, I'm like, what am I? I, I, I'm not, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. But... You also kind of learn at some point in time, if you can afford to go to the nice dinner with the people who invite you, you have to go. Because as we know, as we get older, these are the places where the things happen. It's not out here. It's not, oh, this person's super talented. Cool, pal. Have I eaten expensive food with them? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, those those things are the you have to go you have to go sometimes work wise to to be connected to certain people it just sort of is what it is and i and um but anyways the imposter thing is definitely there for sure but are you okay so like if we're talking about that so you have to go somewhere to make sure you're connected with the right people if someone's taking you out, you don't have to name names, but like if you're going to an expensive restaurant and you wouldn't Seinfeld. normally go when Seinfeld asked you to go for dinner to an expensive place, are you expected to foot the bill for that? Or are you getting invited? Or are, is there a part of your life that is truly like meals and entertainment bucket? I need to spend that to make sure I'm being seen. I think both, both things have happened in terms of, uh, first of all, I've never gone to dinner with Seinfeld just to say, I don't know why I made that dumb joke, but, um, um, I, both things have happened where I've been invited somewhere and I'm like, oh man, okay, this is going to be too much. And it's been covered. And then also the other side of like, it has not been covered. And I go, damn. And now I'm, now I'm spending whatever it is. And at the end of the day, it's not a ton of money. Um, but um, I guess now I don't have like a certain thing set aside for it. But again, I don't smoke. I don't drink. There's a lot of things that I don't, um, 
I have the money. So if, if certain times I kind of go, oh, this dinner is more of a thing than the money is, I guess if that makes any sense, then this whatever, 100, 200 bucks, this is this is worth it. I don't I don't uh, look at it as sort of a bad thing, but I might if I'm invited out with somebody who I know has like a bunch of money and they don't pay for it. I might come home and tell my girlfriend, like, do you believe this guy? Do you believe this psycho? <laughs> they asked me to dinner and then they they want me to pay for this. I, like, you know what I mean? Anyway. Totally. It's the cost of doing business in your industry. It's just yeah. kind of what it is. Interesting. Yeah. But I think it's probably all industries, right? In some weird way. I, I definitely think it's more the entertainment, like the entertainment industry for sure. Like we have gotten to some really cool spaces or gotten invited places that I've realized if I hadn't have gone, I probably wouldn't be making the money that I'm making in certain avenues for sure. And like being in front of people and having conversations. For me specifically, I feel like when I make jokes about things or I have conversations that people don't necessarily take it seriously, but when I can get at a dinner table and I can get in front of someone, then I can make that, you know, transfer to like, yeah, we joke about this, but like, this is still something that's important to, to have a conversation about, or I'm still a serious human being. So I guess that kind of leeways perfectly into my question. Like by making a comedy special about money, how do you hope that the narrative changes around how we talk about money or treat people living in debt or how we react to that kid who's counting 50 cents at the counter of their local corner store to buy themselves cornflakes? Like what is kind of your goal with, with opening up this conversation? Um, I guess I hope that uh, we do. And I think Canada has started right to, to teach money in schools in the last year or so from what I've heard, it'd be nice if like we learned about if people coming up learned more about this stuff, financial literacy, because it is right up there with the most important stuff. Also, I guess to, I mean, deal with it for, for more uh, for myself as well, you know, joke wise, just looking at certain things and not being so, um, I don't know. I used to be kind of mad at rich people. Um, I'm not so much anymore. Billionaires are a little bit different, but whatever. But um, just people that have some money, I go, yeah, all right, man, they did some stuff. They own, they got things. They put things together, you know? But uh, I guess, long story short, I tangent way too much. It'd be nice if people coming up were were taught more about, about financial literacy. And still, instead of just one day, you become an adult and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, taxes, credit scores, all of this stuff. And you go, what do you mean? All of that stuff. All I learned about in, I learned how to make a, that the people used to make birch bark canoes. I thought that was going to be on some kind of life <laughs> test. And it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I talk obviously about body image and self-love and like, it's a deep, it's a deep rough topic. Like people are going through things when they're having that conversation. I like adding in comedy to it because otherwise you're, you're crying through it. And I think that, that same stigma exists when it comes to money and, and understanding that like we feel so alone with a lot of the things that we're going through that, you, you know, when you're making jokes about it, like uh, it's not that it's funny, it's that it's real. And like, I think that that's where a lot of my laughs came specifically from your like Jimmy Fallon set was like, this is the truth. Like it's funny because it's true. Cause it's genuinely mm -hmm. the truth for a lot of this stuff. That's a lot of the stuff that we like, 
don't talk about. So I have a, a level of appreciation for comedy uh, in a sense that it makes things a little bit easier to digest and it opens the door for a lot of awkward conversations to be started. Um, and I don't know if you realize that that's what you're doing, but that's definitely what you're doing for a lot of people. And um, you, it was, it was a, uh, I think, incredible set too. So it was awesome. Thanks. <laughs> um, appreciate you. Also, to to realize too that we're not we're not all super far from each other. Um, in terms of going back to the Great Depression again, there were people who were immensely rich who also ended up with zero zero like we're not so far removed from most of us and i don't mean this in like a scary weird way most of us are like five six paychecks away from not having anything so uh i get very upset when people it doesn't happen a ton but when people make fun of homeless people or have weird comments about it i'm like man you have no idea what this story is and again this could be you. It could happen. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. I, we were there. Like we were there. And I don't think people appreciate that as much. And I genuinely lucky for our experience. But there was a point where we couldn't pay rent. And it was a scary avenue to be around. Like this is how quick I lost my job. And I was like, I have no savings. I haven't been taught how to do this properly. And then we were there just scrounging, selling things on Marketplace, trying to like find other avenues to pay bills. And I, if I didn't have the family support that I had, and if I didn't have the, the things that I had, I, it would be it for me. Like I, mm -hmm. if I would, I could have very well been there. So I, I appreciate that side of things too. Cause I think that that's also important to realize is that it, it can happen just as quick as it happened. And like, that's definitely been a, a, a learning curve for me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They say people le learn through art. And I think that's a huge piece of all of this is that comedy is art and conversation is an art form. And it's, it's all so important because the more we talk, I think that compassion comes in and the understanding comes in. And the more people share those things that are really scary about themselves, it just releases that judgment from so many other people, which I think is, is really, really important. Okay. Thank you. This has been such a good conversation. We keep asking all of our guests the same questions. We're calling it a speed mm -hmm. round. So far, no one has been speedy in the speed round. That is not actually the requirement of the speed <laughs> round. Okay, good. Okay, good. But we wanted to give it a name. So here we are. So we're going to ask you some questions that you can answer as fast or as slow as you want. Kind of like the rest of this conversation. Um, but I'll start. What is the best thing you've ever spent money on? The best thing I've ever spent money on? Um... Well, I bought a I bought a car when I was uh, 18, 19. I was legitimately at that time living in my friend's closet and uh, working at his uh, his dad's plumbing supply warehouse, uh, Bird Stairs in Halifax. Anyways, and I bought a car. I shouldn't have. Uh, I was living in a closet. I bought a sixteen hundred dollar car as a ninety three Oldsmobile Cutlass. It had power windows that worked even when the car wasn't on everything broke down on it the power steering cord blew up it cost me a bunch of money all the tires were complete garbage i had to get those redone i had the car for seven months before i moved to toronto to start doing stand-up but uh i love that car 
it was great driving around with friends, going to places like, I, I don't know, that car comes to mind. I love that car. And it cost me so much more than what it was absolutely worth. Um, this is going to be a funny, I don't know what you're going to tell me for this answer. What's the worst thing you've ever spent money on? The worst thing I've ever spent money on, um, God, the worst thing. I'm trying to think now. Bitcoin is obviously like an easy thing to say. The worst thing I've ever spent money on. I don't know. That car is right in there as well. Like it was a ridiculous thing to buy. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know. It's pretty. It's a pretty good though. If you don't have an answer for that, I feel like that means you don't yeah. typically. Yeah, it means you haven't regretted something too too much that you spent your money on. So. Yeah, small stupid things that I'm like, why'd you buy this? But not any kind of like exorbitant or what or whatever decent amount of money, other than like crypto. So stupid. Okay, whether you've had it or not, have you ever lied about how much money you have? Yes. I used to tell people in school, this is real. I used to tell people that my name was Nathaniel James McIntosh the third. The third. Because I was like, oh, it makes me sound like I got stuff. And I'm like a kid wearing like hand-me-down, not even hand-me-down, trash like old Adidas clothes that had like stains on it. I'm like, I'm the third. It just made me feel like, uh, you know, more of a, a, of a, of a person, I guess. Um, but I did it for that reason. So that people would think that I had more, more money because the third can't have, he can't be broke. He's the third. <laughs> no way. That's like what money is. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> What is, okay, and then last question, what is the best tip about money you could share with somebody? I mean, save 10% of everything you make is a pretty good one for me, but, um, oh God, I mean, that might be one. I mean, that is one. Other than that, I'm not too sure. I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I mostly made that special too, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out money. Where am I? Look at that! Look at this! This is look at this radiator just out here. You know what I mean? If I had more money, this is like hidden somewhere. <laughs> I have a TV that's not on the wall. I don't know what's going on. Um, but save ten percent of everything you make. At least, Crazy Bob really, really uh, helped me a lot. And that's even when I was making like, and I still kind of do sometimes, but like twenty five dollars for a show. I would put away 250 or three bucks or five bucks from that money. And then one day you just go, oh, I have like a little bit of money here. That's a piece of advice somebody gave me too. So, I mean, crazy Bob's looking not so crazy at the moment, <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah. Well, I think, it, sorry, you just kind of blew my mind at the end there. Even if it's $25, put the 250 away. You know, you might think, oh, I'll start doing that when I start making X amount of money, I think the whole point of that is all the time. Just start. Yeah. And it's That's funny five, that I would have Five boxes spent... of cornflakes. That's right. <laughs> 250 I mean, when you break it, uh, genuinely though, like that's the, that's like the kind of the, when you know how to spend your money at 50 cents, when you multiply that by five, it seems like it might not be a lot to somebody, but realistically, when you're the kid that's counting that 50 cents at the counter for a box of cornflakes, yeah, that's five of them, and like it make it does genuinely make a difference. 
Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I used to do that and then I still do it really because like in the city of New York doing comedy, you get paid in cash a lot. And um, I started doing it in this little coffee can thing in my house. And I was like, this is kind of dumb. And then one day you're like, I have a hundred bucks. I have 200 bucks. And that's money I would have spent without even thinking about it. Cause it's only two bucks. What do I buy a coffee? I'll buy whatever chips. I don't know. And then one day you're like, oh man, there's like some stuff here. You put that in the bank, whatever, keep doing the whole deal. So yeah, no, that's been a big, a huge thing. This is so fun. I really, really, really am glad we talked to you about this because I don't know. I think it's really cool to hear the perspective. We've talked to a lot of women actually. So to be able to sit and talk to you about like your perspective, you've moved, you've lived in a lot of different places. You've had this very sort of long standing relationship with money that hasn't always been the most linear and you're still learning. And it's just been really fun to hear your perspective on it. So I'm really glad you came and talked to us. Uh, I'm happy I did too. I'm happy my internet worked. Um, I'm happy you helped me with it, Sylvia. If not for you, you now know you now know how to tether. Your con- congratulations. Here's the funny thing about that: I've already forgotten. But uh, <laughs> if if I have to do it again, Sylvia, you'll be the first one to get a text. And um, this has been great. Hey, first service is free. It's ten uh, percent of all of your earnings after this, so you can either save it or you can spend it on the genius bar. <laughs> not sure what to tell you. Um, no, this has been really fun. I really appreciate you guys having me. You know, for those of us that work in the arts as actors or comedians or any freelancer for that matter, you never really know where your next check is coming from. And that can be terrifying. But for me, the only thing scarier was the idea of a so-called normal job. I'm just not wired that way. One thing I discovered to balance the financial uncertainty was to invest some of my freelance earnings into something stable, like real estate, for example, the set it and forget it long play. I always tell people starting out, just buy whatever and wherever you can afford. Doesn't matter if it's where you live or not. Then when you can, pull equity out of it and use that as a down payment to do it again. There you go. Your freelancer's retirement plan right there. Thanks for listening to Your Two Cents, the podcast made possible by credit unions. 